purpose was my purpose. So I was always trying to figure out who am I here to be and what is the work that I'm here to do? And I don't believe that work is just the way that we make money. It's, it's our contribution. So I was always trying to figure out what is it that I'm really supposed to be doing? Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and today on the show, I have a very special guest. Now, I do like to think that all of my guests are special, but I don't love all of my guests the way that I love this one. So I want to introduce Stephanie Zamora. Steph, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's about damn time. (laughs) (laughs) So while we record this episode, we are in two separate houses because we live together and we're in a smaller place. Um, And when this episode comes out, maybe right now as you listen to it, it's been a year since we first met. Our one year, no anniversary. No anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't wasn't too long after that, um, maybe just a few weeks that we actually started dating and being together uh, from, what, 2,500 miles away from each other? Um, Steph, all right, like every other episode, why don't you kick us off? Tell us what you do for a living and what's one thing that most people don't know about you that's maybe a little odd or bizarre. Well, I do a lot of things, and now I do those things with you, which is very exciting, and I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit. But I always say that purpose is my purpose. And purpose has been my purpose for as long as I can remember. It was very existential as a child. And my whole life and work has organized around that, figuring out why are we here? What's the point of this life? And how do we make it meaningful for us? And that has looked like coaching and programs and books and speaking and podcasts, as well as design development, helping purpose-driven businesses get their message out into the world. All right. Now, what's that one thing that most people don't know about you that's odd or bizarre? I would make an excellent getaway driver. Damn, I missed right. my calling. Yeah. <laughs> that or a stunt driver. <laughs> I could go back. I would do that. <laughs> so we have a Toyota 4Runner that she drives like it's a tiny little Porsche. And there are certain <laughs> times where we'll be bobbing and weaving and she's just calm, cool, and collected and just moving about moving around and i'm like how the fuck did you get through that you have to know the line of your car (laughs) the line that it will take turns tightly and not topple over yeah yeah i i still haven't reached that limit yet uh there have been a few times i don't know if you felt it while we're driving where i'm like oh shit here we go we're gonna (laughs) roll fuck we're about to go (laughs) uh so when steph and i first met we were connected by her assistant at the time uh, who's reaching out to people for uh, podcast interviews. And I was not doing any sort of guest um, initial calls, like uh, intro calls. Some some people will do it where it's 30 minutes long, 60 minutes long, something like that. Stephanie and I have both done, done those at different times. Um, but I'd gotten to a point where I wasn't doing them. Uh, not to sound big-headed about it, but our process was pretty great. It's too important for the little people. <laughs> it was. Just think about how many fucking meetings you have throughout the day, and you're like, I don't want a meeting anymore. Uh, this could just be an email. But her email came through and suggested that we can have a call. Now I know it was just a template, and I wasn't special. Uh, my The four in me tells me I am special. But um, we uh, we had a call because I, I saw her. I mean, look at this. <laughs> look at this. So we had a conversation, and I think we talked about the podcast for maybe maybe three a minute or two, yeah, yeah. if that. <laughs> After my first few minutes of just being a dumb fucking moron, 
Um, I instantly fell in love with Stephanie. I am not afraid to say that at all. I, I, uh, for those of you who know me, and for those of you who listen to the episodes often, you know that I can just keep talking and talking and talking. When we first met, I was just like, oh, what? <laughs> I even threw up a quick prayer that was like, God, what is this creature in front of me? Um, and we had, I don't know, a half hour scheduled, and we were on the phone for about two hours, something two like hours. that. Yep, you finally learned to use your words again, and <laughs> <laughs> it took me it took me a few minutes. It felt like fifteen minutes, but it was probably only like two or three. <laughs> and I remember at one point I had to be like, "All right, game face on, <laughs> have a fucking conversation." <laughs> um, we had such an incredible conversation that I think was kind of destined to happen, and now here we are. We uh, are the love of each other lot. Uh, of each other's lives and we have our business together we're doing incredible things um hopefully by the time this episode comes out we'll be able to talk more about the business that we have and that we've created together but if not the beginning of the year there's a lot that's going to be happening with our company choose your calling and i want to be able to talk about the stuff that has gotten you to the point to where you're at steph because you and i both were on this kind of similar path in certain ways where we were barreling toward each other without really knowing about it and going through a lot of trauma and a lot of craziness. Now, I know about your story because I love you and I'm insatiably curious and ask loads and loads and loads of questions. But look, we've only been together for about a year at this point. I know there's a lot more for me to learn. And there's a lot that most people don't know about you. Uh, She has written a memoir and there's a lot that's in there. She doesn't really name names of the people. I know some of those names and we're of course not going to bring that up on the uh, on the show. Um, But why don't you talk to us a bit about the journey that you've started um, as early on as you can and kind of cultivate it to where where you're at today. Yeah, definitely. So I, you know, I like I said, purpose was my purpose. I was always trying to figure out who am I here to be and what is the work that I'm here to do? And I don't believe that work is just the way that we make money. It's it's our contribution. So I was always trying to figure out what is it that I'm really supposed to be doing? And I have a background in graphic design. That's what I went to school for. I worked at different agencies. I started a design business with an ex-boyfriend that was also a designer back in like 2008 in the recession. And that felt good. Like I knew I was entrepreneurial, but I... I also had this sense that I wasn't here to be just another designer, which is no shade to those who are. It just It's not my calling. And I started realizing around that time, around 2009, 2010, that I think it's a tool for me to do bigger work in the world. And I didn't know what that was. But around the same time, I was working in an office, a home office in a garage with no windows, which I hated. And I was basically doing data entry and reception work to help pay our bills while we got our business off the ground. And it was one of those moments where a book like jumps off the shelf and like hits you over the head. And it was Jack Canfield's Success Principles. And the first chapter of that is all about taking 100% responsibility for your life. And I felt like I was I was pretty good at that. Like, I would never blame traffic if I was late. I would always be like, oh, I guess I sh- probably should have left earlier. Probably <laughs> should have checked like the traffic report. But that helped me do it on an even deeper level of everything that happens. Like, what did I do to allow that to happen? And the things that are out of our control, I want to be very clear about, I would also ask, like, what do I do now? Because it's not that we manifest everything horrible that happens to us from abuse to, like, 
natural disasters to whatever else, but we are responsible for what we choose to do after that. So I, I took that to heart a lot more. And the second chapter of that book was figure out why you're here, which spoke to me being existential and angsty and, and trying to figure out what's the point of all of this. And so I started my own blog. I had been blogging for years, but I started blogging under my name for the first time and just writing about how I saw the world, what I felt, what I thought, the questions that I was always asking myself. And that slowly evolved into its own thing. I discovered the online business world, the online marketing world. I got, I won a ticket actually to an event in New York with a big name woman entrepreneurial coach, ended up joining her mastermind, did that for a year. And all of that, throughout all of that, I was really wrestling with, do I apply what I'm learning to this design business or do I focus on the thing that's really calling me, which is to write about what I cared about, to write about purpose, to write about the quarter life crisis, which I felt like I was going through at the time. And and so I ended up just moving in my own direction. I grew my business to be for people trying to find their passions and split the business first with my ex. And then we broke up, which thank goodness, because now I get to be with you, <laughs> even though that was a long time ago. Um, and that path, like I started working with more solopreneurs. So I was still doing design and development and helping people like that. I was writing a lot about finding your passion and purpose. I launched my first program that was all about like finding your joy and your passions and aligning your life with it. And all of the people that I worked with became very entrepreneurial. So I very organically started teaching them everything I knew about building two businesses that were successful and design and branding and all of that. And by 2014, I had grown my life and my business to a really amazing place. Like I was the happiest I had ever been, the healthiest I had ever been. My business was thriving. I had an incredible team that did all the work for me. I had money like months in advance. Like it was just life was good except the relationship that I was in at that time. And when I ended that two-year relationship, he started stalking me a little bit. And when I told him he needed to leave me alone, he ended up committing suicide. And that, as you know, knowing me and my story, just absolutely flattened me. The PTSD was so bad that I would drive in circles around my house because in the time that it took to lap the block again, I would forget that I was going home. I didn't know who half my clients were. I couldn't put my life story in order. Like, it was, it was really bad. And that PTSD led me into an abusive relationship with a drug addict, which, of course, just messed me up even more. Led to a slew of health issues, anxiety, panic attacks, dysphagia, I couldn't swallow. My business died a slow death. I filed bankruptcy. Like, my entire life came undone. And I learned more than I ever wanted to know about what it takes to heal and find wholeness in the aftermath of challenging chapters and big life transitions and trauma and grief. But I did the work and I rebuilt my life and I rebuilt my business and I continued doing that work for several years through different relationships and other traumas and things like that and last year 2022 I really dug in and got clear about what do I want my life to look like what's the right life for me I had spent so much of my life aligning with the people that I was with and decided that I wanted to buy a camper I wanted to go home to New Mexico. I wanted to move towards owning land. I wanted to focus more on the work that I'm here to do. And in doing that, I feel like the work that I did last year very intentionally, which is very similar to what you were doing, is what led us to finally meeting and me being in the right place to be ready for a relationship like this and a partner like you. And even being in the right place to 
see a new evolution for the work that fits so perfectly with merging our businesses, bringing other people in and just, I don't know, building a life that I never thought I, I could have. I never thought I could have a partnership like we have. And granted, it's had its own struggles because I've had health issues this year. But yeah, that's the that's the timeline. <laughs> well, obviously, there's a uh, there's a ton to that. There's um, there's a, a, a big thing to talk about that's kind of through uh, it's woven throughout all of it of doing that tough work and the hard work and actually doing the fucking work. Um, I've told you there have been different times where I remember being in my um, my old marriage and being like, well, we need to talk about these things. No, right now everything's okay. So just sit here and watch TV or whatever and not doing any of the work and then being able to actually do the work. It took me a couple of years to get to a point where I can get a divorce and then actually doing the work after that. I told you before we hit record on this that literally last night I thought podcasting changed my life. And <laughs> one hand, that is a cheese ball fucking sentence because that's like so not cliche because it doesn't happen to everybody, but there's a testament for us to be able to walk through and keep doing the work that can lead to other opportunities that will lead to other opportunities that we don't know about yet. So when you think back to 2013, 14, when you were really rocking and rolling and then you got flatlined. What sort of wisdom do you look at that you feel daily, if not weekly, that you're like, thank God, in some ways, I kind of went through that so that I could learn to be where I'm at now? That series of experiences really taught me over and over again, because I definitely did not learn the lesson the first time, um, to trust myself above all else. Mm. And you and I have talked about this in regards to our relationship and relationships. Like this is the first relationship I've been in where there's been zero no at any point. Whereas in every other relationship, I would get that no within the first week to month. I would know exactly why it was going to end and I would try to prove myself wrong and, and pin it on myself. I was trying to manifest it into being and outside of even the relationships, I gave a lot of my power away when I was trying to heal from all the trauma. So I had really incredible people around me during that season, really brilliant people, people who had achieved so much, learned so much, helped tens of thousands of other people, like really incredible, smart, intelligent, experienced people who constantly got it wrong with me. When I would come hmm. to them and I would try to tell them what was going on in the abusive relationship, or I would try to talk to them about what I felt I needed to do with my business, they would coach me or advise me or be my friend from a lens that had decided who I was and what was best for me based on their perception, interpretations, their story about me, what they had decided about me. And most of them meant well, like truly they loved me. They cared about me. They meant well, and they would get it so wrong, <laughs> so <laughs> unbelievably terrifyingly wrong at times. And it took me about four or five years after my loss to really start trusting myself again, like to really be able to see I've given my power away to these people because I think that they're smarter than me. And part of that was that my self-worth was so low after the suicide loss, which I blame myself for, of course, after the abusive relationship, which made me feel like garbage after everything that had happened. Like I, I didn't feel worthy of anything good. I didn't feel like I could trust myself. 
And here are all these smart, brilliant people who love me to death and seem to know things about me that I couldn't see myself. And I couldn't make decisions for myself. And I finally, in 2018, I decided to move to the mountains. And a big part of that was I wanted to get away from everything and everyone. Everyone told me I was running away, and it certainly looked like that. But I did it very intentionally to step outside of relationships, to go be by myself and to be isolated so that I could hear myself again. Because, and this is true for so many people, and true for you as well, especially when you feel like a special unique unicorn, Enneagram 4, like what's right for me is generally different than what most people do or what's right for most people. And I had lost that and I had that up until the death, like my life was really in alignment because I was trusting myself and listening to myself and doing things in the way that felt right for me and my energetics and my personality. And then I just gave it all away. And so the biggest lesson that I learned time and time again was to just trust myself first and foremost. And part of that is trusting my intuition, which you've experienced is incredibly accurate. 100%. Obnoxiously so. <laughs> 100%. And... And learning to trust myself and my intuition from a place of I know myself and I know what's best for me and I, I, I know my gifts and my skills and I have the ability to discern between when is it an old trigger versus when is it something that's happening now. And I'm not always perfect in that, but I have built a, a stronger relationship with myself and my intuition because a lot of what happened during that time was me not listening to what my intuition was screaming at me to the point that my throat closed up. And there's more that we can get into with that too. I think one of the big things that you and I've talked a lot, a whole lot, a whole lot. And being in this space right now and doing the recording and being in my seat as the host, it's interesting because I love you and I'm your partner and we have that dynamic, but then also being the host and guest sort of dynamic that I'm so used to with the 100 plus episodes at this point. Um, it's really interesting to me to see the different patterns that come up throughout different uh, guests that I have and to have somebody like you that I not only live with and do life with and we have a business together, but that I can also see those similar patterns and certain things that are outside of that. And the most interesting thing to me is really that we as people tend to lose ourselves within ourselves without being able to actually come you know converse with ourselves and have communion with ourselves to be able to understand that there are other people that love you and they want to help and all that and there are also people that don't love you and they're fucking terrible and they don't want to help uh, but being able to actually listen to yourself so I, I want to spend a little bit of time with that and full honesty, we need to cut this episode relatively short because you and I could talk for hours and hours and hours, so we need to limit it. Um, plus, there's going to be more time that you're going to be on the show. I'm going to be on yours, and we may have our own shows coming out. I'm dropping little bombs here. She's probably <laughs> going to punch me in the mouth later, folks. But um, No. <laughs> so talk about... You and your domestic violence jokes. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not. She's ab absolutely not. She's lovely, and she doesn't abuse me at all, and I appreciate her for that. Um, talk a little bit about the um, the experience of how we as people and what you do even with coaching clients to be able to help them to be able to listen to themselves and be anchored in themselves enough to be able to trust themselves and and move along from there the most important thing is 
to build that relationship to yourself. And it sounds so simple, but it's not no. because we have so much conditioning and it's always the first piece of work. And one of our programs in the company is Actualize. And the whole first module is about alignment. And we're always in alignment. The question is, with what? Am I aligned with what feels right and true for me, who I am, who I'm here to be, the way that I'm wired, living the life that's right for me? Or am I aligned with what everybody else wants from me, what everyone else expects from me? Am I aligning with ways of being that I think keep me safe from the trauma and abuse I've experienced? Am I in my winning strategy, which we talk about a lot, and that's such a, a core part of every conversation I have with people is, if you don't understand your subconscious winning strategy, you have no idea how to live in alignment and how out of alignment you are. And our winning strategy, which I know you've talked about before, is basically how do I stay as safe, secure, and successful as possible and achieve a certain level of love and belonging? That's what our subconscious is after. And so I had no idea until I learned about the winning strategy that everything that I did was for that to stay safe and was me trying to be what was wanted and needed in every situation. I was not a factor in that. I would amplify parts of myself so that people would choose me, would want me, would love me. I would be irreplaceable. I would be the best damn version of whatever it is you wanted or needed. And it took a long time to untangle from that because it's, it's so inherent to our worldview and how we move through life. So the first, you have to know yourself. You have to know your personality. You have to know your unique energetic wiring. We use human design for that and the Enneagram for personality. And understanding your subconscious winning strategy, which means understanding your core wounding, which means understanding your traumas and the different things that you've been through and how they've shaped you because we're out there thinking that we're making all these conscious choices, but we're being run by our subconscious and all of that is, is rooted in this deep, dark stuff that we don't want to look at. And that's where the deeper work comes into play and, and doing it on a cellular level, on a neurological level, repatterning the subconscious, rewiring the brain, getting all of the stored stuff out of our cells so that we can move and be differently. And, and when we do that deeper healing work, which we try so hard to avoid, then we have the space to figure out, well, who am I actually? What do I actually like? Why have I been over here trying to behave that way when I'm wired to be over here doing this? Why am I building a life that looks like that when really I want to be way over there? And we'll start to see the conditioning and the beliefs and the expectations. And until we do that, you're just, you're, you're paddling upstream in a raging river because you're being pulled back by that deeper stuff. Like you can't, you can't know who you are if you haven't unpacked what has shaped you into the winning strategy and the way of staying safe that you have now. There's a weird kind of, um, I don't know, feeling or thought that I have and that I feel other people give me when I bring up the winning strategy. Because it sounds like a, a powerful thing. Like, fuck, yeah, that's my winning strategy. That, this is how I win. But then as you actually walk through it and work through it and understand about yourself and how it ties to you it it really opens up this giant core wound to show this is why your winning strategy has been that way you and i have almost daily conversations where i'm like i can feel like my winning strategy is just trying to claw out so let me let me recoil a little bit let me figure this thing out let me talk to you in a minute about it and being able to work through that um 
I'm glad that you brought up Actualize. And there's a lot more programs that we have and more that are going to come out. And there's a lot more that we're going to do, especially in 2024, uh, that's going to be able to help people work through their traumas, the past experiences, figure out who they are and what they're about, what they want to do, and then what their channel for change is, be it a podcast or a book or business, what have you. And Steph, I love you to pieces. I think you're absolutely stunningly beautiful and from the inside and out. And I appreciate everything that you you are today because of everything you've gone through. And again, I think a big takeaway for this episode is that you've got to actually look at the things. You've got to do the work, but you got to look at it first. But along those lines, what sort of uh, advice would you give to somebody on their path towards self-mastery? Yeah, exactly what you said. The the deeper healing and processing work like it is not enough to intellectualize your healing it is valuable it gives you a certain amount of leverage but it doesn't give you true freedom and leverage to move differently to respond differently like it gives us more space when we've done the cellular healing and and you've experienced process work i have done an absurd amount of process work and i always recommend it like find the the type that's right for you but everything that we experience that we don't process in real time, meaning we don't feel it, we don't move it out of our bodies, whatever that emotion is, gets stored in our cells, our bones, our tissues. And so you can intellectualize why you are the way that you are, why the trauma affected you how it did, why your childhood shaped you in whatever ways all day long. And that will give you a certain amount of leverage to point to it and see it happening and choose to behave differently at times, but you don't have the full freedom to show up differently to respond differently. And there's this charge when we're triggered. And when we haven't done our deeper work, we can be triggered by so many things and not even realize that we're triggered. There's this like amp to it and this reaction and aggression or emotion, whatever it is. And when you've processed, which can take time, when you've processed those traumas and all those stored emotions out of yourselves, unresolved grief, all of that stuff, you're still going to feel like the twinge but you're free of it. Like I'm no longer I'm no longer a victim or a prisoner to that trauma, to that unresolved grief, to those old emotions, to those all these old things because they still feel them. <laughs> but I've processed all the old stuff out. So now I get to respond to what's in front of me from this moment as me, free and clear of all the old stuff. And we can't do that when we just intellectualize it. So whatever process work looks like for you, knowing that it's getting it out of your body and your cells, I can't rec recommend that highly enough. Yeah. And likewise, um, I'm glad that you brought up the cellular piece of it, as well as the intellectual, the, I guess, somatic is part of the cellular, but how everything ties together. And look, you're going to be back on the show many more times. There's going to be a podcast that we're going to be on together to be able to talk through more of this. So I'm hopeful that this is kind of a part one of very, very, very many. Um, and Steph, thank you so much for being on. But before I let you go, where can people find you and where can they connect with you? Well, I'm assuming the new website will be up by the time this is out. I'm hoping. <laughs> so chooseyourcalling.com. Otherwise, if that's not up yet, stephaniezamora.com. And if... It is up. That will redirect. <laughs> well, that solves that. <laughs> I love you. Thank you for being on today. I love you too.